0: Hello, world, and welcome to this fourth episode of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your boy, Reggie Dokes, and I'm so excited. First of all, Happy New Year. And speaking of New Year, we're going to start it off right by honoring the great Mr. Eddie Folks. That's right. This entire episode is dedicated to our boy from the deep, Mr. Eddie Flashing folks. Now joining me are two producers from the full-length documentary. We have Miss Jennifer Washington and Mr. David Grandison. And also, we have our great director of this fine documentary, Mr. Christian Hill. So without further ado, let's uh, get into my first hot pick. Of course, it's going to be Mr. Eddie, folks. This one is called Check It Out on City Boy Music. Let's go.
1: I'm Dave Grandison, one of the producers on the project. And I want to let you hear a a bite from Eddie Folks, you know, one of the originators of of Detroit Techno, you know, the art form we know as Techno. Um, This clip was recorded at the first Detroit Electronic Music Fest was, which was really one of the places that I started my journey in documenting and archiving the originators of electronic music. You know, I took a pilgrimage to Detroit and really just was capturing people at the Detroit Electronic Music Festival in 2000, you know, really speaking to all the originators and uh, really trying to, to, to discover what Detroit techno was. And I, I ran into Eddie, and, and Eddie w- was, you know, as he always is, like, yo, yo, let me, let me tell you what's up. <laughs> and he really went into his, his brand of outspoken, you know, brash uh, and, and very much insightful overview of what he felt techno was. And this is kind of how he summed it up. So so I felt this was great for us to really um, let you hear this. So um, this is Eddie Foltz from the year 2000 at the Detroit Electronic Music Fest.
2: Techno is just, just some ghetto shit that motherfuckers put some groove to. <laughs> Basically.
3: And I love that clip, Dave. My name is Jennifer Washington, and I'm the producer of the upcoming feature link documentary God Said Give Them Drum Machines The Story of Detroit Techno. That was a great backstory with the clip. I mean, when I first saw it, I knew that we had to use it in the film, and it's been in and out of different versions of our different rough cuts. And I've always really fought to keep it in because we never really had any other artists really explain and like define. you know, in in simple terms, what techno is. It's always really more of a long drawn out explanation, but he really put it in a way that I could understand and I know our people can understand. So I felt like it, it was important to include it in this piece as well. It has been an honor and a privilege to document this scene and package it in a way for future generations to enjoy. And this year on our Behind the Scenes podcast, I want to take the time to highlight certain individuals and explain how they fit into the whole grand scheme of things and why they are important to the story. Eddie is one of these individuals. Beyond all of the work that Eddie put in back in the day, he has been a key figure behind the production of this film by connecting us to other important key figures like Kevin Saunderson and Blake Baxter. Up next, we're going to listen to director Christian Hill's recent interview with Eddie Foulkes, the godfather of techno soul.
4: Yeah, man. How's it going in, in, the, in Detroit for you, man? Like COVID times, man. I see you've been like really doing a lot of music, man. But uh, other than that, man, how,
2: how have you been holding up? That's all I can do. That's all I can do is, is do that and, and do that. And that's all I can do. I mean, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm not trying to catch that bullshit. You know, I already got some, you know, some health conditions already. Mm-hmm. Predisposed health conditions. So I'm just basically hibernating. If I go anywhere, man, I'm like, I been like maybe Kenny Dixon crib, Norm Tally crib that's about it and other than that man i'm at, I'm at the crib or at Out beach all, all summer
3: mm-hmm.
2: i will at the beach all summer
4: so this this episode we record in this interview for is uh, new year's day in addition to some uh us talking about what's going on now i had just had some feel good throwback moments and uh one of them bro is uh, i want you to talk about uh your early years as a DJ, like and, and procure and getting your equipment and stuff like that, your records. Because uh Steve Dunbar tells a story about you. He says that uh growing up when y'all was at uh WC3, yep, that yep, yep. Y- y'all would uh link up and mix over each other's house on occasion. He said he'd come over your crib and you had the old equipment. You ain't had like the new stuff that right. you know that they normally had the direct drive guys had, you right. know. Just dude, talk to me about your like I've even talked, heard you tell a story about how your this whole thing you built is based off a hundred dollar mixer that, you know, your your mother, or your parents bought. And now, you know, years later, you still doing it. But talk to me about this early equipment, man, and how you
2: kind of got into this really, you know? Well, it's true, what Steve said. Uh, you know, because I was transitioning from college to live at old girl, at my mom's house. And going back to college, you know, the option was you could stay here because you have a job or in college. So I said, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to school. I'm not, be, I don't got time to be working. So I, you know, I had my mixer, her turntable and a cassette deck, you know what I'm saying? But at times went on, you know, uh, me, I started, I would bang over Art Payne crib because he had all the 12, he had the 12s, he had the mixer. So it was like. Art and Keefer's like my brother. So it's like, yo, man, I'm, I'm about to make this. I want to make a mix on the cassette, you know, this, you know the Maxell cassette tape. So I'll just, you know, take my records over there and then, you know, and do that thing. But it was the financial aspect of it. It was like a brother was in, in college, you know. I, I wish I had the Steve Dunbar parent doctor money to, to afford the good equipment. But it is what it is, you know. And like I said, man, it's like the less you have, the more talented you are. You know, saying you know you don't need a full. Some people think they need a full studio. Some people they need four CDJs and this and that. Like man, you know, if you, if if God chose you, you, you you don't need all that stuff. You know, to, to do what you got to do. But uh, it was cool, man. You know, old girl, she uh, my mother, she uh, you know, she bought that mixer, and uh, I went that sorry party with my sisters, and I saw Dural girl and I knew what I want, and that you know, predicated to. Uh, uh, you know, running into, you know, meeting Derek in, you know, high school, and, and he introduced me to Art Payne, so kind of manifests itself all the way through, but, you know, it, it is what it is, man. It's, it was, you know, going back that far, man, it was, it was fun, but uh, I think what it was, a lot of people didn't have a lot of gear. You know, because it, it wasn't that prevalent, like everybody wanted to be a DJ. So he was kind of special. So I would say that gear that I, that old gear that I had, that shit worked. Because if I can work on this shit, I can work on the you know on the straight arm techniques and then the curve arm uh, turn techniques when they come in when they came in. You know, the pitch control. So you know, one of those such things that slip past back then. So it was cool, man. You,
4: you also tell that story about when you was at Western and, uh, you know, you was doing a, Ken was doing a party. And after y'all left, you know, the the, yeah, the Frankie Knuckles, it the first time you saw Frankie Knuckles, man. And, and you, you thought he's, at the time, Cass was, you know, if his name was Knuckles, that he was kind of spinning on his knuckles. You know, Just like, man, what was that like going to Chicago with Ken and just <sighs> – having that experience as a as a young DJ.
2: Man, I, it was dope because, you know, people was like, you know, Magic Wand, Mayday, you know, and then I had Flash. And so everybody would, you know, uh, I forgot the proper name of that, uh, when you put that. Moniker. Yeah, the moniker, and, uh, and you actually, well, we was literally believing the moniker is what you want, and you can do those things you know, I'm magic. I can watch this magic. You know am saying? So those type of things. So when I went up there to go to school and all that stuff, and then uh, Tony Hunter, remember Tony Hunter?
4: Yeah.
2: I moved in and I said, like, this ain't the same Tony from Detroit. I was like, no, nah. and it was. So like about two months up there, Ken had played a party up there and then Tony said, hey, they going to Chicago. I said, Ben, let's roll, you know. They played at the warehouse and Frankie Knuckles, oh shit, yeah, because you can hear the Hot Mix 5, you can catch the Hot Mix 5 from Kalamazoo in certain nights. So I was like, all right, you bet, let's run it. So um, me, Tony, Ken, his girl, uh, these two guys, and a guy named Robert Trotman. You you remember, you know Robert Trotman. Mm -hmm. So we all went and after Ken playing, it was like 2.30 in the morning, we left. Ken got his loop. Kid had that brown bar, uh, Bronco. He got that Bronco. We all humped in the, uh, uh, in the back and he took off. So it was only like halfway to Chicago, from Kalamazoo. <clears throat> and man, I went to that motherfucker, man and I kept asking Tony, there's going to be some girls there. There's going yeah, to be some girls there. I said, you been here for I've been here before. I didn't know he'd he, he been there before. He yeah, is cool. So, you know, young motherfucker, 18, I go down there, you know, you go down and, you know, you walk up here and you go down. The steps, and then you see these lights, and they were just like, you know, back then, you know, there ain't no club like in Detroit had no lights like that. And I was like, God damn. So Kim was like, hey, man, just stay against the wall, follow the wall, go to DJ Booth. Get a DJ Booth, man. I was like, whoa. You know, you see them motherfuckers with them leather shit on, with them black hats. What'd you call that shit? <laughs> that motorcycle shit. Man, them motherfuckers had clothes on, and then they had clothes in the back, dog. I rushed to that corner. <laughs> I stayed in that corner all night, dog. But the dope part, I got to see Frankie Knuckles get down for hours. He had two turntables. And uh, he had three turntables. Two here, mixer, turntable here. And he had a reel to reel. And his record, I've never, to this day, I've never seen, uh, his record box was like a Christmas tree. But each level, it turns. So he's spinning them around. And that shit was dope. And he had the records this way, not this way, this way. And I never, you know, see nobody working. And he was flawless. I mean, he was, he was flawless. He was in his, in his own backyard, his own element. And, uh, and from that point on, man, you know, every time I see Frankie Knuckle, he would never call me Eddie folks. He would call me Sunshine. So, so I was like, all the cats in the, in the truck. Even Ken would start calling me Sunshine. I said, come on, Ken, what's up? But they would never tell me to this day before Ken died. He would always laugh. And I was like, you know, Robert Traven finally told me like maybe 20 years later. I said, man, why everybody uh, call me Sunshine? But on that trip, it's only two people living, me and, me and Rob. Everybody else passed away. He said, man, because when you was in a DJ booth, you were in the corner. And your eyes was like this, you know what I'm saying? Because I ain't never seen no shit like that. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> so they said your eyes was like sunshine, you know how the sunshine trying to like the sun. So they started calling me sunshine. So literally, I'm telling you, man, Frankie Knuckles has never called me Eddie Foxy. Like, hey, what's up, Sunshine? And he just busts out laughing. And this is going on for like shit, you know how old I am. That's like what? It's <sighs> been a long time. So, you know, but you know, it was all in fun and games, man. I never took it personal. I never took it personal. But that was, that was, that trip right there, man, uh, to experience, you know, like it wasn't no kids there, man. But the whole thing was just to experience another DJ doing it at another level. We were still at this level. He was at this level with the sounds, the lights. He had his sound guy, he had his, I forgot about the light guy. And man, that boy was getting down. And it wasn't like People coming in and disturbing that motherfucker. He was getting, he was getting, he was getting them in. I mean, he was working it with that, with that train, with the, with that, with the horn of the train. Man, he was killing them. So that was, I would say that's my Larry LeBan. You know, I, I didn't go to see Larry LeBan, but Frankie up was my man. Funny guy, too. That's dope. That's yeah. dope. That's dope.
0: guys i hope you enjoyed that we're going to take a quick break from our interview with eddie and get into our second hot pick so this second one is called feeling fine on city boy music eddie folks
4: I'm not going to say the Berlin years, but just kind of like your first trips to Berlin and, and and like, I guess, the work you did with 3MB. Man, what was like just being a cat from Detroit and going over there? Like, what was that like then, man? Because, uh, you know, seeing how Berlin now is the capital and uh, not, you know, just kind of the home of dance music on a certain level. What was it like? When, they, when it wasn't, you know? And, and they were searching for sounds. Or as I
2: understand it, if I'm wrong, help me understand, please. What was it like? I mean, it was, um, I was Chisore's third release. Because you are, with Jeff Mills and Mike was over there first, then Blake was over there. But at that point, Blake didn't release with them as of yet. I think he was in the process. So, um, but I think Blake was down with Mike and them doing it. And uh, Mike had put me on to them cats anyway, Mike Banks. And uh, so, you know, they had put my stuff out. And uh, and Demetri would literally come to Detroit. And uh, he would stay at my place. And then I would stay at Stella's place. It was before we got married. And uh, so that's how I made Demetri got cool. And then um, he said, uh, you know, you want to come to Berlin? I said, yeah, why not? You know what I'm saying? I really wasn't trying to do all that. You know, I was just trying to do my thing in Detroit because I love the vibe in Detroit. So when I went over there, it was like, it was like when the wall went down, like, like I say about maybe literally broke like four months after the wall went down. And it was like, I'm in a studio with Morris Vaughn Oswell and Thomas Feldman. And, and, uh, believe it or not, Thomas Felman, no, Morris Von Oswald used to follow me and Waugh at the New New Music Seminar in New York. And Waugh was like, them cats keep following us. And uh, it was, excuse me, it was Tom, it was Mark, I mean, it was, uh, uh, Mark, uh, Mark No, well, no, it was Mark Anestas and, 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 uh, and Morris that was following us, not knowing that I'm going to be in the studio with this cat three years later. You feel me? I had met him previously. So when Dimitri told them, because they had the best studio at Berlin at the time, they're making the style of music. Would you like to do a project with Eddie? And then that's when uh, the guy from the Orb, Thomas Feldman, jumped in. So we all three. And I said, 3MB, hey, fuck it. You know, uh, I mean, I said like, you know, three motherfuckers in Berlin. That's how we got the 3MB project. So the the project's the same thing with, it rotated with Wine with 3MB and Blake Baxter with 3MB. So that's what 3MB means. But the, the climate was, it, it was deep underground, but it wasn't aggressive underground. It was more like uh, the, the West Germans and the East German coming across, and this is new. You know, it's just new. So them seeing black folks is like this, you know, and they want to touch your hair, touch your skin. That was the part that fucked me up the most, is that part, you know, and I was like, damn. So, but I had to realize, you know, where you know how many years they only you know they couldn't come across the wall. But it was cool. But it it was it was more like uh to me I felt uh it was it was like new but it was like it was desolate but new because everything was happening on the east. I didn't even even I didn't even venture in the West. I stayed in the east because the east was cool. It was more laid back. Smoke. I was smoking a bunch of hash back then, man. I don't smoke that shit no more. But I was, <laughs> but I was smoking it over there because it was cool, you know. But the the, the scene was cool, man. It, but it wasn't a lot. It was it wasn't plentiful. So everybody hung out at Hard Wax, you know, by records, and then whoever had parties, you know, you kind of go to. And then you had Chazor parties, but that was the only club. You had like another club came in. Club. It was three clubs, but it wasn't plentiful as it is now. And the scene was just it was new, it was just new, and uh Detroit rocked it, we came over, everybody started producing, and then uh, it just took off it just it just took off, but it wasn't like no uh and shit, you know everybody was it wasn't no popping shit from Detroit artists, it was just everybody like, hey man, you know, they really digging that the, the sound the Detroit sound, you know what i mean it was it was new I, you know, it was new, All I can say man, it was new. And i never seen so many Mercedes
4: businesses in my life. Bro, and then like, and today, you know, even though it's the pandemic, I mean, it seems like uh, in addition to kind of the energy that you've been having doing DJ sets and putting out music, but also some of your boys like Norm, Norm Talley, he he and Delano, they did uh, were doing hot stuff. With the mix, you know, live virtual stuff, as well as Omar S. Now is doing like stuff with Red Bull. Like, man, can you describe like some of the people that really you see are putting in work right now, despite the pandemic? Who do I see? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you
2: know, or do or do you not see nobody else putting in work? Uh, I mean, yeah, I see cats putting in work. Uh, me's putting in some work. She putting her she putting her irons in the fire for sure. You know. Uh, I think I, th- I think overall, you know, even, a, even even the Godfather himself, he called me a couple of days ago, asked me a question about some mini shit. He put in work. I think, I, I think, at a certain point, man, I think a lot of people were just stunned. They could, they was at a standstill. But I think as the more that vaccine kicked in, you know, in the, in the light at the end of the tunnel, I think a lot of cats was like, like, Hey man, i might as well. You know, start, you know, preparing myself for the, you know. the light of the, you know, the end of the tunnel so the shit can manifest itself back to the normalcy that we were, you know. I mean, the only thing what I see is what you see on Facebook, you know. I'll put it this way. A lot of cats on, uh, you do that shit on social social media, you get kind of worn off. So so I think some people pulling back and then coming back, you know, doing some some sets. Because I haven't done no lives during the minute because it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, it's because the competition is so thick out there. You know what I mean? So it's like you can't really track your numbers. You can, but you can't really see if it's correlating to, to sales on the digital or the final side. You know what I mean? Because everything is fucking closed. You know, and you know if people want to stream, they are stream. Like hey, so. But as people putting in work, I mean, I only see what I see on Facebook. Herman uh, Kennedy was putting in work when it first started. He was he was banging in a minute. He was banging and Bruce Bruce. He's and The boys putting in work. But I'm talking. Are you talking about music
4: or just DJ? Just you know the cut. Just the scene right now. You know and you know like you said, man. Minx is putting in work. Uh, Earl definitely early on was you know causing people to have some issues just with just how he was banging and hitting them out the bat. You know. What you mean uh, issues? No, I'm just saying uh, like you could tell that cats. Uh, like Earl brought the heat early and he had the visuals, just cats had to step their games. (laughs) Cat, you know, Delano and them had the visuals. You just couldn't come out with the bad audio and shit like that. Like immediately some dudes came in with some like levels of production value, right? Right. I mean, just from what I saw. And uh, that became like what, for a minute, all cats was going after. Like, I got to get my audio right. I got to get some visuals. And then, like, everybody, like, at that point, that's where, you know, everybody's got the same equipment. But it took a minute before that technology just got democratized in a way that Joe Blow or just your uh, guys that you really wasn't seeing was able to kind of, like, up their social media profile and start mixing.
2: So Yeah, I I had to invest in Three cameras. Because you you didn't know what the future was like. And it's mm-hmm. like I'd be damned if I'm sitting here and just twiddling my thumbs. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I got the 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 green, I got the white screen, I got all that shit. But I just haven't manifested that shit yet. I'm just like, okay, cool. It's cool to have, but it's cool it's cool to have in your your arsenal. Okay, you know, hey, I feel like doing some shit and uh have a camera to, to show me doing some work or some um music work, which I never had before. So, you know, it's not a waste. It's just how you implement that, you know, as you, you know, continue your process and this stuff. But yeah, you, you know, I had to, you know, step up my game. And a lot of people, a lot of cats didn't don't, didn't didn't have sound cards too, you know what I'm saying? And they didn't know how to run that mixer through that sound card and, you know, and they didn't know how to record it. Because first I had to use my iPhone, but it was working. But it would have to, I had to sit here and do some research to learn how to get a good quality because most of that shit was off my iPhone. You know what I'm saying? I had to, things I had to do and buy some certain chords where the audio would be kind of crisp clear. But now I flipped it over, you know, invested some shit and now, I you know, I can do it at another level if I want to. That's if I want to, but it's cool. I just, you know, man, I just like banging I, don't, I You know, I'm not really into the thrills of, you know, the background, but I did, but, but, but anyway, I just like to just put my record on and, and play my records. Cause I'm really like more into vinyl now, man. I'm kind of like passing on that digital shit. Tired of the dancing DJs. Mm. I want to work with my money. I honestly think that, you know, playing vinyl is, it's you put in work, you know, you, you know, you, 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 to me, you're a true DJ. That's just my thing.
0: Guys, I hope uh, you are enjoying this interview with Mr. Eddie folks. We're going to take another quick break to hear our third hot pick, which is called X Groove by Mr. Eddie folks on city board music.
4: saw you was early on you was really participating and after George Floyd man just you was on the front lines a little bit just with the uh, protest about his death and Black Lives Matter and stuff you really uh, you know kind of didn't sit on the sidelines during that what made you get out there in the
2: street you know so it's kind of personal to me you know you can't hide behind your turntables and shit like that so if you don't stand for shit what do you stand for you know, you making good music and DJing, that shit's going to cut through all that shit. You see Jeff Mills, he stood up. You know what I'm saying? He stood up. So a lot of people across the world will see this, but they wouldn't understand it because you have to live it. And if you don't live it, you wouldn't understand it. You know, and some DJs didn't, you know, they, they, they never came across, you know, shit like this. You know, so it's like, welcome to America. So don't judge me or us when we make music that about our culture. You have to use it in a good way to make good music and make money off of. But at the same time, be articulate and understand the law when this occur in your face. But man, I kind of hear
4: this, this energy, though, that you're talking about in your music, especially the, uh, the music that you did with Jeff Mills, speaking of Jeff Mills, who you brought up, and Jessica Caremore and the Beneficiaries. You know, you brought in Sundiata. Like, those records have a real, like a real Afro feel. You know, talk to me about you know those records that you made. I like mm-hmm. the Peoples. You know,
2: I was listening to that earlier. Yeah, me and Jeff, uh, you know, we, we uh, he can't remember when we made uh, some cuts like in the eighty, uh, a couple of cuts. But you know, that's still my dog, Jeff, my dog, and uh, you know, as you know, I, you know, he went his way, went my way, but we still kept in contact. I think it was this, this We started talking three years ago about this, and he said, "Yeah, let's get down." And then um. He mentioned Jessica Moore and Jessica, my girl now. I'm, I mean, you know, but at the time I didn't know who she was. <laughs> and she was so cool. We all in the studio in Detroit. And then uh, we took the parts and then we, you know, uh, and took it home and we kind of filled it. And, you know, Amp, he played on there too. So I I did a lot of recording over Amp House in his studio. And Sundiata brought the, the percussions because I wanted, you know, he's older than me. You know, he's like my, you know, he's our elder. And, you know, and sometimes you got to let a brother, you know, play with your, you know, bring you back to his African spirits. If you can touch, well, you can't touch because you don't know where you come from. So you have to feel those, those percussions. So when he played, it was like, he had his eyes closed, like he, he got dialed and you felt it because he felt what Jessica was playing. So we all kind of morph around each other, you know, to for that people record. Everybody felt it, man, right? because it was more like taking you out of the, the realm of the, of the flow of the moves that we've been making for years, it was just something different. No, it had like a little Tony Allen feel, you know what I'm saying? It
4: had like a different feel. And uh, speaking of different feels, like I uh, also uh, the local dice record, you yeah. know. I really, uh, I like that. Uh, I played funk on a a radio show I did in Chicago, man. Man, talk to me about your relationship with Loco Dice and what went into
2: making that project, because I saw some videos. Man, you guys really seem like to have a good synergy. Honestly, I met Dice. It was me, Dice, Richie Harden, Carl Craig on a panel. And I had never heard of the guy. And he was so cool, you know, we got along. So... He said, man, next time you come with you Let's let's get together. And I said, okay, bet. And we did some dates. And then um, I wasn't thinking about making that music. He was like, man, let's get to make some tracks. And I said, okay, cool. So honestly, this thing been going on for like four years now of us, you know, slowly. He submit, I submit until we rounded off, like, you know, what we want to put out, you know what I'm saying? And then we did final all the music and Dusseldorf, you know, you know. I was there mixing the stuff. He was mixing it. But it took time because he wants to make it a project, you know, not just throw it, uh, throw it out, see him stick on a wall, you know. But the sad part, we didn't really promote it a lot, lot, lot because of COVID. You know what I'm saying? We couldn't really do a lot of interviews. We did what we could. All that video you saw was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. That's how it was. But it still was overall was a good project, man. And uh, a lot of people, you know, you know, a lot of people dug the project, man. A lot of people. No, I, I'm I'm one of those
4: people, man. And then uh, I see through EPM, you got the City Boy EPs. It's, you know, it's like Volume One, Two, and Three. It's it's some heaters on there, man. Like I like Past and Present, uh, Knucklehead kicking it off, and then like X Groove, like has like like some little like electro elements or more like even those futuristic sounds. Like, man, talk to me about the difference between these volumes and just how
2: this City Boy EP came about. I mean, it was just like, you know, I'm trying to hit both sides of the aisle, you know, with the the wax and then the City Boy. Now I don't want to press two record labels. I said, I'm gonna do the City Boy on digital, but keep the original City Boy that came out on vinyl as it is, Mm -hmm. and then uh, keep Detroit Wax In my DJ room here, I just like, I'm gonna buy a new gear right here. And I've been messing with that since, for since 18. Slowly, 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 you know, master the shit, you know the shit like the back of your hand and slowly, you know, do it where it's like the machine is my personality, you know. Is the, the new MP, MPCX. Mm-hmm. I had nice. it like, yeah. I saw Am filling with it, I went and got it like two months later after he had it. Instead of that uh, projects sit on the shelf. Here's the digital outlet I can use. Plus, you know, every, every, you know, everybody's streaming now. It's just something to keep flowing out there. I, I mean, as far as the, the techno and all that stuff, you know, it wasn't no set in stone what direction. I just like, okay, cool. Let's run with just run with that. I also, uh, I see you scoring films. Talk, <laughs> talk to me about that process,
4: working with Jake Alexander and scoring films. Man, Jake is a funny guy,
2: man. That's my dog. I mean, he's silly, though. A good guy. (laughs) But yeah, man, that was uh, Trey Estacios and Sting. And I mean, the the last one. And it's like, uh, and Johnny Cash's daughter. They all get to hear my music. That was the cool part. The money was cool. The money was cool. I ain't gonna complain about the money. It's really like sitting talking to the director. And then really like going over the script. And Jake, what makes Jake easy, he lets me flow. You know, he not on my back, on my neck. He just let me flow. And then I get to film as it coming in, and then I'm, I, I make my the intro, I work. I don't, I don't have a final edit. That's the final edit comes, then I adjust. And it works perfectly for me. So it's like it's like being in the studio, doing a remix with people, man, you know, make changes. So the patience is the patience, man. Yeah, you were out to uh, Juan and Kevin, anybody lately? Just one. Just one. Just yeah, just one. Kevin called me a couple times. I, I didn't get the chance. I didn't get, actually I didn't get a chance to call him back. <laughs> he probably mad at me, but <laughs> I didn't call him back. He hit me up twice. So I just, you know, man, you know. Kids home, you know, from college they came, you know, this all types of shit going on. You know, my wife is an ER nurse, man. I ain't trying to catch that shit. You know, so everything is it's a lot of moving parts here at this house, man. Mm. A lot of moving parts, bro. And so that vaccine, you know, it's kicks in, you know, I think uh well, I would say how about this? I would say that vaccine, when that motherfucker vaccine kick in, it's like the longevity, like how long is gonna last. That's the whole key. Nobody, you know nobody never said that. So that's like wow. How is this gonna change the game? Like you take the vaccine, you only can travel for three months. And this country said you gotta have a certain vaccine to get in this country, in this country, and that country. And it's just gonna be haywire. It's gonna be crazy, you know. Because no. there's so much money involved with it too. So you know, then you gotta say you gotta look at it this way too. The promoters gonna say, well, hey man, we estimating so many kids. So now they trying to you know they might might suppress your money on your gigs now. Because a lot is, is not full throttle like it used to be, mm-hmm. so it's, it's it's a lot of variables, man. You know, it's it's a lot of variables with this shit. So it goes back to your question of putting in work. You know, you know, like hey, fuck it, I got music, I got my table. You know, I can create a, a keep content going. That's
4: my word. I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, man, this this show is like I said for. Uh 2021 the first day of 2021 what do you set out to really do in
2: 2021 man what's what what's your mission my mission in 21 is to since covid hit i have made a lot of connections and it was it's kind of cool so i just want to manifest that even more you know like i want i really want to do more film scores you know you know i already got three and um I really want to do more of that in 21 because it's it's fun and it's cool. It's it's all that man. I, I think that shit is fun. You know, I really do because then I think about like, damn, the film score 12 inches and shit. They're not at that level, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, all that shit, man, that that Quincy Jones did, man, I understand, not at his level, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm small potatoes, but just to understand, I mean the ins and outs and then. Run that to some, some deep, minimal, you know, tracks. You know what I'm saying? Just, it's just your mind is just constantly working with music and stuff. Can I be the dance music film for a king? I hope so. It, it, but i tell you this, with Jake, you know, that that last thing he did in...
4: in uh It was the New York uh New York Central Park Festival.
2: Yeah, that. When he turned into a film, man, that opened up a lot of doors for that boy. And I'm, I'm glad for him. Hopefully he keep me, you know, as a sound guy. I mean, the film score cat, man, you know, on, on some of his projects. It just works. Because a lot of people don't hear that type of music every day. They'll think that when you see some black kids, you're going to hear some hip hop. But it was the opposite I put in there. Mm-hmm. You feel mm-hmm. I me? Mean? And it just kind of make people think like, man, you know, you don't have to uh compartmentalized music. Music is can be used for everything, you know? You can use country music and if you do an independent film in Detroit about black kids. You just got to know how to place it. Everything don't have to be because you black, you got to make jazz and you black, you got to make hip hop you black, you got to be R&B. You don't have to do that, man. You can just be yourself and let you, you know, and just like, hey, I want to do something different, you know? And, and to me, you know, being different keep you around a long time, you know? <clears throat> can't just play fucking techno all day. I can't. I mean, make it all day because it's no fun you get bored i take that back why the only person i know who can do it well that's dope man
4: i uh again man i i thank you i thank you for uh taking this time and more importantly i again we wouldn't be here at this point without you So, you know much love and uh respect to you and Stella and the family man uh i appreciate you you know all right man you're
2: welcome welcome
0: i hope you feel like i do but that was an awesome interview such great information from our brother mr eddie folks from the legendary techno six we affectionately refer to him as anyway let's get into this next one the fourth hot pick by mr eddie folks is called you know on city boy music
5: thousand i'm eddie folks back in like 96 97 um and when i started Motek with my friend sean snell uh eddie folks was actually the first person to give us tracks um not only that but eddie was uh really helpful and just uh, he helped guide us a little bit you know when we needed uh advice on just the label when we first started making tracks you know when we were buying equipment he was always uh there to within a within a just a just a phone call he was always uh, giving you know and that's one thing um, I think that everybody would say about Eddie Folks I mean he's been there since day one he's a legend but also he was always there when you need him I mean for a phone call for you know I'm looking at this keyboard or uh, a studio or advice or gigs DJing whatever uh, he was always there to lend a hand and uh uh, yeah, Eddie, that's my man.
6: Yo, this is Antonio Echoes from Detroit, mostly known for Reeses Antonio projects back in the day, the first generation of techno family. I started off one into DJ, listening to Eddie folks. Eddie Folks, amongst others, Al Esther, Steve Dunbar, etc., Jeff Mills. But Eddie Folks is the one that got me wanting to DJ and do music. He used to uh, come in parties, U of D parties. I, I, he walk in, and I hear people whispering his name. Eddie Folks, They go Eddie Folks. He used to make records, sound. Three times better than what it was. He used to triple. He's the first DJ that I heard triple. He used to do this classic uh, with Reach Up, Tony Lee, that always blew my mind. Great DJ, great friend, great producer. Peace.
0: Hey, guys, that was Santonio Echoes. He, too, is a part of the legendary Techno Six here in Detroit. Speaking of legendary, up next, one of the originators of techno, Mr. Kevin Saunderson.
7: This is Kevin Saunderson, and I ran into Eddie, encountered Eddie Folk's up at Eastern Michigan University, probably 1983, I believe. Um, You know, early part of 1983, Eddie... uh, was hanging around some friends of mutual friends of ours, Art Payne, Keith Martin. They had 1,200 turntables. Uh, so everybody kind of went to their apartment to mess around and, and practice mixing and listen to music. They just had the top-of-the-line stuff, and then we all just kind of met there. So that's how I met Eddie. Uh, I actually ended up living with Eddie for a short period of time. Um, Eddie... He was a hard worker and probably one of the best DJs I had heard at that moment in time, especially during the campus parties. He was like amazing to me, fearless, played the right tune at the right moment. Um, so I was inspired by Eddie, you know, as a DJ. Um, and this is before, obviously, I started DJing. It was the beginning of me wanting to be a DJ uh i only heard of a couple people before there like al lester uh john collins at cheeks you know um and i mean i heard people like in new york like larry the but it was a totally different style so eddie he was you know the guy who would go to his parties help carry equipment do whatever i had to do to be a part of the, the crew as I was learning and uh Eddie was amazing and playing two records at one time he would take start I remember Honeybee. Bee his record called Honeybee. I don't remember uh who who made it but uh he would always start this record over at the right time and, and start the beginning with two copies and it was just so, so powerful when he did that um but as I got to know Eddie and live with him, uh, he started making music as we all followed Juan, as Derek, myself, Blake Baxter, uh, San Antonio, Shake, Anthony Shake, all of that. You know, um, he was making music, too. And Eddie, uh, you know, when we first started making music, we all kind of collaged around each other when we made music because we would share equipment. Like if I had a drum machine and Eddie wanted to use it or uh, somebody wanted to use it, uh, synthesizer, we would just bring it over. And as that person was working on music, we just hanging out doing nothing, you know, listening to some music and headphones just hanging out, right? But uh, Eddie was a a hard worker in there working that equipment. Um, He played on train, he, he did some 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 extra drum programming on Triangle of Love. I think he did he he uh, did the snare roll. So that's one of my first records. You know. Just you know, you just let somebody jump in if they want to do something. That's just how we did it. Uh um and then eventually Eddie had his own record, Goodbye Kiss, which again I think Juan had a a role in it trying to get it finished and you know we we know how to put the pieces down the music but we didn't know how to finish music we didn't know how to get it to the point where you can get it uh so you can get it to vinyl and all that but one was stuck uh, he, he showed eddie the path and helped eddie finish his first record uh and when i heard goodbye kiss i was blown away i couldn't believe this record it was the baddest record i heard you know in Detroit at the time, you know, um, and I didn't know what I had to do with it at the time. But Eddie, uh, you know, big record, huge record. Um, that was Eddie's biggest record, in my opinion, his best record he ever made. Eddie's always been a good brother. That's what I can say about Eddie and what I know about him and what I experienced with him over the years. We've had a, a, a good relationship, really, all the time. No battles, no fights. Of course, sometimes we might disagree, but uh, mutual respect for each other.
0: Up next, we'll hear from our brother, one of my favorite DJs from the D, Mr. Norm Talley.
8: Well, first of all, Eddie is a character within himself. <laughs> you know, he's always you know, he's a comedian. He's got a good sense of humor. A lot of people may not know that, but he has a real good sense of humor, you know. Uh you know, a lot of people may take him seriously, but a lot of times he just be joking, man, you know. And he's funny. So, you know, just that alone, you know, hanging with him, you know, he, he always be telling jokes and this and that and it's uh you know, it's 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 funny, it's it's fun to hang, you know, hang with him, you know. But then on the serious side, you know, he ain't joking when it comes to his business either. Now, if it's business, you know, he could be straight up 100 with you, you know, and you might not be ready to handle that. You know what I mean? So it's two different sides. You know what I mean? he would joke around with you all day. But now if it comes to some bookings or some records or something like that, you're going to keep it 100 and put it down. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta be ready for that. And sometimes that might be a little bit too much for somebody. They might not be able to take it, you know? Somebody, you know, just keep it at 100. Not sugar coat, nothing. Telling you straight up, this is what I want. This is how I want it done. Boom, boom, boom. Make it happen. Goodbye kiss. It was funky, first of all. You know what I mean? And it crossed over. You know, just from like not just house crowds or not just techno crowds that crossed over to the mainstream. So, you know, I would say that's all around a good record. You know, a lot of people uh, just listen to the record and may not know that it's Eddie folks. They just like the record. It's a good record. You know, it's good music, period, you know, and it's funky. You know, everybody loves some funky music definitely a Detroit classic, most definitely. I mean, it's a classic worldwide, but it's most definitely a Detroit classic, first and foremost, because this where it was born. Actually, folks, you know, taught a lot of people, along with myself, the business of the game, you know, which is important because a lot of people don't know the business of the game. So Eddie has been, you know, one of the ones on the forefront teaching people the business of the game. That's that's very important. You know, a lot of people in the business, but they don't know the game, you know, so that was uh, he was kind of instrumental in doing that, you know, earlier for a lot of artists, you know, he taught them, you know, keep your publishing, keep your masters, you know, this your music, you own it, you know, even if you license it, you can get it back and you can resell it, you know. So that's part of the business of where you can survive for the rest of your life and your kids can collect on your royalties, you know? So that's very important, you know?
0: Yeah. You know, that, that, that was, that was good, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we are, that we're doing this because, you know, any, um, folks or, what uh, what they called him back in the day eddie flashing folks um he's certainly an unsung hero in the whole scheme of things as it relates to you know techno um you know i know for me personally eddie um you know once you get to to know him as a person he he's a giver and, um, and 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 that's one quality that I've always appreciated, um, you know, about Eddie, and that he, he he was a giver. He's a he's a he's a sharer. Because I think so many times in this industry, um, it, uh, sometimes there can be just so much hate and division. Um, you know, people fail to realize that there is plenty of opportunity. Out there, you know, and I, I remember Eddie, Eddie, uh, there was, I was trying to get into, um get my music in video games. And Eddie was the one that turned me on to this guy out of London. And my music almost got into, it was a real popular game called, um, um, Big Planet, I, you know, I'm sure you all probably not familiar, but it was a really popular video game by Sony. And I got like real close. Music was there and everything. And then they pulled it at the last minute. I was mad as hell. Because <laughs> Back then, you know, they were they were making people uh, uh, rich with those video games. Then they then everybody started licensing their music and they were like, oh, we got to stop this. Everybody caught on, but I digressed. But, uh, you know, I appreciate this, man. Eddie made some real valid points, you know, the whole going to the beginning as an artist. And I know not everyone. I know everyone as an artist is, is, is not like this, and that's cool. But, you know, I just feel personally as an artist that if you have a platform. That you should use that platform to express those things that are going on in the world. You know what I mean? Like music is 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 one of those things that 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 influences uh the world. And you know, when you have a platform like a Jeff Mills, like a Eddie Folks, like a Juan Atkins, you know, especially in, in dance music and using that platform to speak about social injustices across the board, you know, I, I, I feel Eddie on that, you know, um, art imitates life, you know, and uh, so I can appreciate and respect that point, um, you know, that he brought up. <laughs> he got to talking about that equipment, man. It brought back memories, bro. Uh, You know, it was like, shit, I was one of those cats, too, that didn't have the 1,200. You know, my shit was technique SLB 200s (laughs) with the and the pitch was a dial. Okay, and I had to use nickels that I would put on the needle arm to keep the motherfuckers from skipping, you know, when we were playing those vinyl records, you know what I mean? And then that goddamn realistic radio my cousin worked at Radio Shack. Y'all remember that show back in the day? My cousin worked at Radio Shack dog. And that was my first mixer. It was a it was called it was a realistic, it was called realistic. Realistic mixer. And they had faders on them. I think it only had like maybe four goddamn channels. And the Q button was like a fucking switch that you would like click back over back and forth and shit with your fingers, you know. Man, those were the days, bro. Those were the days. But he said it, man. You know, shit, you got creative. You know what I mean? And like, you know, during the 80s, those of us coming up as DJs, man, you know, you had to cut your teeth, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you DJ those parties, dude, your shit had to be right. You know what I mean? I remember cats like damn near like putting a head in the speakers. To make sure your blends was tight. You know what I'm saying? Like, you spent hours making sure that your transition from record to record was good. Because you knew when you went to that hall in front of hundreds of kids, black kids that loved fucking progressive music, your shit better be right, bro. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. You feel me? Yeah, that's a suck. That's a up. feel you on that one. No. That was a good one. <laughs> Oh, shit.
1: yeah, yes, yeah. no doubt. We had we all had that realistic uh mixer, Hell we yeah. all had the home turntable set up with some tin foil on there as a slip pad and right. a nickel or a penny. You, you, you had <laughs> to make your slip, dog.
0: You had to make your slip pads. You, know, <laughs> you, you. You, you remember how some of the vinyl records came in like clear. Like the clear right. sheets. Yeah, that mean, was the fucking slip pad, dog. Can you that, know that, what it, I'm saying? Come on, now, talk to me.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I remember <laughs> we would we'd do that, and then Kyle say would come up and he, right. he, he'd be spinning, and he advanced past me, Scott, Chanel, all right. of us, and I <laughs> us, and I stopped. I was like, I ain't even messing with it. That kid's too good. <laughs> you know, so we were all there. <laughs>
0: no, that slip pad was that plastic and an album cover. You know, like you would cut it, put your little hole in it so it'll fit on the turntable and shit. Put make sure the plastic is up under so that record could slide back and forth easily. That's
1: right. Bruh.
0: Come on now. Huh? That's
1: what's
0: up. I'm about to start tearing up in this motherfucker. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> hey, that.
1: <it's> nostalgia, <laughs> baby. That's nostalgia. The but, yeah. But you know, it, it, you know, it's advanced so much, you know.
8: Right. I, I, I was Brian.
1: I was really um I mean, you know, if, if we can move into gear, that was what caught my attention when he started talking about, um, you know, working with AMP, you know, because that's a solid connection between, you know, the just seeing how AMP has transitioned from teaching Jay Dilla the MPC. And then we got Eddie Foulkes building with him now. And Eddie going out and buying the latest MPC X after working with Amp again. Right. See and how that shit come full that, circle. That mentoring, that right. full circle. Right. Amp taught Jay Dilla, one of the biggest hip hop right. beat makers in the world, and right. then he touches Eddie Folks, and Eddie right. Folks flips his rig to the right. MPC because that's the legacy that we pass on, right, as it, artists in Detroit. Right.
0: And you know, I I, I think as Detroit artists, we get so caught up in our own shit that we forget how important collaboration is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there, you know, there are a lot of talented Detroit artists and we need to start collaborating more, especially in these days and times, you know what I mean? Absolutely. um, You know, and, uh, you know, we have some brilliant producers, man, that come out of Detroit, man. And, yeah. you know, cats need to start, you know, collaborating more, you know, putting out hey. compilations and EPs. And, let's, right. let's
1: make that our first resolution. Collaborate hey. more. We need right. to collaborate right. more. Work with right. each other. You Even know? if it's across Zoom, even if right. it's across the world. Right, collaborate.
0: You know, it's enough opportunity out here for everyone, man. You know, put your fucking ego in your back pocket, and let's fucking collaborate, man. Make some hot shit. You know,
1: that's what's up. You know, I agree with you hundred percent. You know, but
0: yeah, that 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 was great, Christian. That was that was great, man. That was great. You hey, know, you Eddie know. Eddie definitely can put a perspective. You know, give a different perspective on. On the scene, you know what I mean, because he was there. You know, he lived it. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, I was. I'm so uh, happy that he and Jeff Mills collaborated on a project together. Yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. he when he talked about being different, um, you know, being different and 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 challenging challenging yourself as an artist, man, you know, expanding your horizons going into different territories of creation, you know, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, man. You know, I I know that's what it's all about for me. Um, You know, not just staying in one lane, but for him to collaborate with Jeff, man, that, that was, that was awesome. That says a lot about Jeff, you know, reaching back. Um, And it also says a lot about Eddie um, pushing himself, you know, as an artist, you know, you know, I've always felt that Jeff was that revolutionary artist. Um, you know, for me, he was like that first um, techno artist that you know ventured into scoring, you know, which I thought was amazing. Then, you know, taking it to that whole level of of a full fledged orchestra playing techno music. I mean, you know, that's just incredible, man. Jeff Mills touched a lot of people, influenced a lot of people, you know, whether you were a DJ or not, you know what I mean? Uh, If you heard Jeff Mills, the wizard on the radio, you know, you were touched by that. You know, speaking of radio, when when Eddie talked about his trip to Chicago, I remember I was like 10th grade man. and my parents took me to Chicago. You know, by that time I was DJing and I was like, Mom, turn the radio on WBMX. Man, I heard that shit and heard that house music playing. Man, that shit blew me away. I was like, damn, they playing house music on commercial radio. And that's crazy. You know, WBMX, man. Yes, Chicago. But yeah, man, salute to Eddie, man. Salute to Eddie folks, Eddie flashing folks.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I was really um, excited when I heard that Beneficiaries album came out, you know, with, uh, you know, Jeff, Jessica Caremore and Eddie. Like, that's a that's a beast of a pair. You know, Jessica lyrics alone, you know. She's going to give you, you know, what she gives you. And I didn't know Sundiata AD was on there. You know, Sundiata, you know, we got. I didn't know that either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's another brother. uh, Another unsung hero uh, from the scene. You know, that has a woman with house.
1: Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. The, the realness that's yeah. where it happened that's what you know house yeah. was about having a every once in a while there's a live drummer there and bringing right. it back to the motherland bringing it back mm-hmm. to you know uh, mm-hmm. ancestral rhythms and that's so he right. connected on that and i was glad to hear him say that because every once in a while you got to get away from the from the um you know from the electronic drums and get, get right to the real drums you know
0: man i was so glad to hear eddie talk about how he has fallen back in love with vinyl, you know I mean? Like shit, that's how we were all raised, man. You know what I mean? Like it took me a long time to start playing CDs. I remember I, I, I was doing, I did a party with a uh, Kai and I had all, I had a big ass billfold of CDs and Kai was like, yo man, you know, you can put all that shit on thumb drive now. <laughs> And I was just like, yo, dude, I can't I can't do it. Because for me, flipping through that billfold, and I know this may sound crazy, but flipping through that billfold of CDs, dog, was like flipping through them fucking records in a milk crate. You see what I'm saying? I'm searching. It's the process.
1: You feel me? Right. Right. <laughs> it's muscle memory, right? It's triggering right. memories. It's the, it's the it process,
0: bruh. And I know, uh, there are arguments on both sides, you know, times have changed, you know what I mean? And I love some vinyl all day. I really do. You know, we, 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 we are all very fortunate, man, and blessed to, to be a part of this situation because this is, this is history in the making, man. And we cannot, I know, you know, we can't take this shit lightly, man this is the kind of shit that that you know my kids 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 will see and learn from you know what I mean so you know I I just think that you know we're, we're, we're on that right path of just making sure that you know our story is handled properly and and that we um tell it with truth um and love and respect you know what I mean Hot pick before we wrap up the show. Still with Mr. Eddie Folks, this track is called Something Special E on four to the floor records.
3: the independent filmmaking process and buy merch from us at the gsgdm.com website for the holiday season. All of our old merch is 20% off. Shout out to Shannon in Kentucky, Mikkel in Roosevelt in Michigan, Karen in the UK, Layla in Illinois, Nicole in Dubai, Tony in Arizona, and Stuart in New Jersey for buying all that sale merch. You can also buy from our new merch collection on gsgdm.com. I want to give a shout out to our listeners in Copenhagen, Indonesia, Malta, St. Albans, and Austin, Texas. Shout out to 5Mag, Oliver, Addy, and Jonas from EPM Music. And don't forget to go ahead and check out Eddie's New Year Mix for GsGDM on our SoundCloud.
0: Guys, we hope you enjoyed This fourth episode of God Said Give Them Drum Machines Behind the Scenes podcast featuring no other than Mr. Eddie Folks. Man, I tell you, this was a great show. Great information on Eddie and what he's doing, and we're just so honored that he took the time out of his schedule to to talk to us. Thanks, Christian Hill. That was a great interview. And speaking of the team, giving some special shout out and love and thanks to uh, Jennifer Washington and David Grandison, who also joined me today on the show. And guys, you know, don't forget, you can follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or any other streaming platform uh, where you listen to podcast and remember you know this is all about uh building up to the documentary so you know we don't want you guys to forget that in summer 2021 that is our goal for releasing the documentary so please uh stay updated with us on facebook and instagram at god said uh, give them drum machines guys thanks so much for your love thanks so much for your support uh and remember um that um To whom much is given, much is required, and expected in the new year. I hope you meet all of your resolutions that you uh, set before you. And um, hey, keep the faith. We thank you for your support. And remember, Detroit techno is love. Peace.